Hello, and welcome to Smooth Scaling, the podcast from Insight Partners that helps revenue leaders scale their software companies at every stage of growth. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan, and today I'm once again speaking with Bobby Brown, Global Vice President of Customer Experience at MessageBird, a communications platform building a world where talking with the business is as easy and natural as talking to a friend. On the last episode, we talked about standing up a post-sale function for both commercial and success in a consumption-based model. And we're going to transition today to talk a little bit more about the role of customer success managers and possibly some other topics. So where, where we had left things on the previous episode was that Bobby had framed up three things that he looks to hire for and develop in CSMs. One of them was technical aptitude, another one's curiosity, and the third one is project and people management. I'd actually like to, Bobby, I'd love, well, welcome back, first of all. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. I'd love to focus on on the third of those, which is project and program management. That's a skill that that I found critical to develop over the course of my career. And it was one that I was never taught in college. I was never taught in business school. Like I don't even know that that's, that's ever really taught in regular education. How do you find people who have that skill or how do you develop that skill in CSMs? Great question. I was very fortunate when early in my career that I got sent to a project management school when I was working at Nortel Networks and I was doing project management for onboarding these large telecommunication phone switches. And so it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me, to be honest, like it just like being able to break things down into projects and milestones, like no matter what you're working on, like you can do that, like it makes things much more simple. And I just found that see it that very it's very relevant for CSMs because you may have 20, 30, 40, 50 customers going on and you can't just consume it all in at one time. And even with one customer, like whether you're onboarding them, whether they're in a, a, a different phase, you have to think about phases of the customer journey. So like everything to me is more like a project and project, you know, a project and moving to the next phase of that project. And when I'm Looking for individuals when I'm interviewing or coaching people who either want to be CSMs or want to grow their career in CSMs, I've constantly advised them to even take some LinkedIn classes on project management. I I think it's a skill that can work not just in CSMs, but in any any anything you're doing. Yeah, it's I, I think some degree of project management skill is critical in, in virtually every white collar job. The world's shifted from what's called waterfall project management, which is effectively planning the entire project out a priori and then you know knocking down the dominoes as you go to this this concept of agile sprints that that folks run i presume you're looking more for people who are you know have that kind of agile project management skill absolutely i was pmp certified useful but yes it definitely the world has changed one of my I actually learned this from a gentleman who worked on my team. He was Japanese and he taught me about the Kaizen methodology. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but the Kaizen methodology is at a high level. It's, you know, you get something out there, you see how it goes, you pause, you iterate on it, improve it, and then, and then try it again. But you just constantly, you always know you're going to look to improve upon the process. And and so it's not, if you sit around and try to make something perfect, you're, you're going to get bypassed, right? So get it out there, you know, Get, gather some data points on it, get feedback from the team, see how things are going, and then and then look to iterate on it and, and make you know constant improvements. So, so yeah, Kaizen methodology and one of my core values in my organization now is progress over perfection. Yeah, 
I love the the progress over perfection. I think it was a, a a good perspective. If you were to give someone advice on, you know, just the sort of top two or three hacks, if you will, to be a a one oh one worthy project manager, what would those two or three hacks be? Take the time to evaluate the situation. Don't jump in. Don't jump in two feet and try to figure it out. Like take the time, ask the questions, look at it from 10,000 feet before you jump in. There's too many times in my career that like, hey, we've got a problem. And you just dive right in and you're just like, and you're not thinking of it in like a holistic approach. Another great mentor of mine taught me is if you're not measuring it, you're not managing it. And so, you know, how do you know what you're looking for? If you're a CSM, like what's the, what's the outcome that the customer is looking for? What's their success criteria? So, so you can early days set up what success looks like, what, you know, what, how are we going to measure this? How are we going to make sure that this is the outcome the customer wants? So same thing about the not jumping right in. Like you can do that. Like, you know, sales reps love to hand over an account, you know, that they just sold and they want the customer to, you know, talk to you, you know, that same day that they signed the deal and they want, you know, we just got to get going, got to get going. But, you know, then you're always, you're, you're, you're not really setting yourself up for success. And uh, the last one, this is one of my favorite as a CSM at a pretty high level, you can either be on your toes flat-footed or on your heels. And you never want to be on your heels. Not saying it doesn't happen. Many times it happens. But when you're working, when I say, this is when you're working with a customer. Hey, you know, try this new feature. Try this new, you know, sometimes customers are great and they're like, give it to me. You know, give me all this information. I love it, right? Then there's the flat-footed where you get a little of that, but they also are pushing back. Hey, when are we going to get this bug fixed? When are we going to, you know, get this feature that we wanted or, yeah, I don't understand the, the UI on this isn't great or, you know, main user of this product left the company and nobody's really using your product. And so you're having to retrain somebody, right? So you're a little bit, you're a little bit flat footed or you're on your heels and the customer's like, we're not getting, seeing the value out of this, or this is more work than it is, you know, to use your product, or this wasn't what we thought we were purchasing, right? Like we're on a journey together versus I'm getting beat up all the time or I'm on my back foot. I think three great pieces of advice. I think of customer success strategy or strategy in general as being people, process, and technology. Clearly, the heels and toes bit is the people side, but I'm wondering if there are processes or technologies that you've built or leveraged that help CSMs stay more proactive with their customers. Yeah, I think it's pretty crazy that we've just met each other and we think very similar. I always say people, process, and systems. In that order, right? It's, it yeah. really is that order. <laughs> it is, it is. So from a process standpoint, it's around, like really it starts with the customer handoff, the internal customer handoff, like really understand sales hands off, sales engineer, sales handoff to the CSM, handoff to onboarding or professional services or the TAM, you know, or all of the above on why did the customer buy from us? What, who's the key people? What's the main pain points they're trying to solve? What's their success criteria? And having that documented in a, in a place that can live with the customer, that can go with the customer journey. So whether it be a support agent needing it, a TAM needing it, you know, the onboarding team, you know, so having a process and, and a system to track that. It can be Confluence, it could be Salesforce, it can be a gain site or, you know, it could be a Google Sheets, right? Like I'm actually a really big fan going a little bit on a tangent, but I'm a huge fan of using Google Sheets for any process. And then going and finding like technology that will work based on, you know, 
what you built versus going and buying a technology and then figuring out how you're going to like work around that technology. So I don't really want to come here and say this is the best technology. It's really I build a, a solution and processes, uh, you know, a, I build processes and then I find a solution for that. Yeah, I, I agree fundamentally with you on the on the Google Sheet thing. And I think so many SaaS businesses, right, are are entrepreneurs looking at at things that a lot of people are doing in Google Sheets or Excel and and then finding ways to to build that into a purpose-built system. E- even with Google Sheets, uh, or especially with Google Sheets, in, you know, in the past, I started out building forecast systems, right, in, in Google Sheets and ultimately layered Google Apps scripts on top of those. And, you, you know, you can get a lot done before you move into a more sophisticated forecasting platform. I, I suppose the thing that those things can't do right now is a lot of the stuff around AI that is accelerating incredibly rapidly. I'm often asked by our portfolio companies, you know, how, how deeply should they be thinking about AI as an accelerator to their, you know, customer success, customer experience? Have you started to to think much about that yet, and and what's on your radar? <laughs> We've been looking at it for quite a while, mainly because we're trying to solve, you know, challenges for our customers and helping our customers be more efficient. So we've been looking at it both internally, but also, you know, how do we solve? How do we help our customers provide answers quicker? Provide, you know solutions faster that's definitely on our radar and something we're we're working on and and constantly evaluating and the technology of course has really sped up in the last handful of months it's amazing versus a year or two ago that what what was out there so really excited about the future i think especially around the customer service side of things where answers maybe are a little bit more simple versus you know i think we still have a little ways to go on the more complex b2b you know, solutions and, and providing answers, but it's, it's, I mean, I've seen it, it's working. So I'm pretty excited about it. I think from a CSM perspective, like we have so much data now on customers or usage, you know, customer health scores, you know, MPS, all of those things that like AI can definitely, if you can get all that data in a place that the AI can start advising and providing insights and like, proactive insights to a CSM or to an executive for that matter on like, hey, based on these criteria, you know, we think, you know, we think health scoring is a great example, right? Like health scores, I've been fiddling around with them for more than 10 years based, you know, based on whatever data you could get and trying to build a health score that works. But I think I'm pretty sure AI is going to be able to do this in no time, <laughs> way better than than I could constantly trying to tweak spreadsheets or use, you know, a gain site or something like that. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, I, I, your your comment about AI being much more relevant for support than success makes a, a ton of sense to me. And I mean, even before chat GPT, there were AI support systems out there that were quite good. And they can only get better now. And and I'm with you on the success side. I actually signed up for Google Bard today, which is their chat GPT equivalent. I, I went on the wait list and less than two minutes later, I, I got off. So I don't know if that will be the case when this podcast is released, but hopefully it is. And and the the I, I put in there, you know, the types of questions that I get from chief customer officers, from CROs, from heads of RevOps of the companies that I work with. And Interestingly enough, Bard gave me a slightly better answer than 
ChatGPT 3.5 and 4.0 did, but neither one was really perfect, right? I think it is the that really subtle contextual stuff that the systems don't quite, it's hard for them to get, right? Because if you're average, quote unquote, averaging the internet, you're, you're you know, by definition, not going to get the contextual answer. So I think the, on the success side, it, these, these platforms really are augmenting the human, right? They might get them a fast start, but they still need adjustment. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think it can probably help scale the CSM teams so they can handle more accounts and, and, you know, it's already out there. Tech Touch has been out there for a while, but you know, if you can have it so you know AI can help communicate with the customers, you know, on your behalf, and then when it you know cut, when they come back, then it goes to a human. But at the end of the day, CSMs a lot are about relationship management, and I don't see how AI is going to completely replace that. Like you build a trusted advisor relationship with your customer where they know they can come to you and you're not trying to sell them something you're there to really ensure they get the most value you know out of the product as a last line of discussion i'd love to pick up the thread on customer health scoring because it's something that i'm passionate about and have implemented some systems of my own looking across some number of factors on configuration usage and sentiment but i'd, I'd love to hear your some of your best practices and lessons learned on customer health scoring over the, the decade that you've been charging at that windmill. Early in the customer journey, you're not going to have many data points because they're just starting to use the product. So you use more sentiment and sentiment on, you know, how is the customer? Are they engaged? Are they, you know, really excited? Are they wanting to learn? And and so I built I built a model or a tool that I did called a reverse CSAT. So it was actually where you would send a, a CSAT after a meeting into internal users, whether it be a CSM or there's a stakeholder or even a sales rep could, you know, say, hey, based on based on the engagement during the pre-sales, like this is a great customer, they're really excited, or this is gonna be, you know, we're already identifying this customer as a potential struggle because the buyer isn't totally sold in or the buyer was sold in, but the the team implementing, you know, it doesn't seem like we're they're fully engaged. So this reverse CSAT gives Give the voice of the CSM or or the onboarding team same as same as that. So, big fan of surveying customers, but not you know trying to over survey them. So, at different points of their customer journey to understand how they're doing. Based on that prospective customer lift score, the reverse CSAT, would you change your CSM assignment? Would you change the motion or the plays that you would run with the customer? Absolutely. You know, if, if a CSM is struggling with a customer to get them to engage, then we can identify that and see if we need to bring in a manager into some of the calls or potentially even change out a CSM if, if the CSM, you know, doesn't vibe with the customer. So we'll send out surveys like a quarterly survey on how's your CSM, you know, doing, are you getting the value out of working with your CSM? So that's from the customer's perspective, but at a couple of companies, we'd, we'd have the the calendars synced up with the customer success platform after the meeting went in, the people attending the meeting from internal would get a survey and just say, you know, a one to five, how was this meeting with the customer? Were they engaged? Did you get the topics that you were trying to, you know, discuss? Did they, did, were you able to, you know, have those kind of back to my analogy on the, are you on your toes, flat footed or on your heels? And so, yeah, so there would be times where, you know, as a manager, you'd say, you know, hey, I, I've, I've noticed that you had this meeting and it didn't go very well. Do you want me to join the call? Do we, you know, what do we need to do? I imagine if I were a CSM, I would be 
I guess, looking over my shoulder a little bit on the ratings that I gave to the interactions with the customer, how did you phrase it in a way that they didn't think that they just needed to answer five every time and game the system? It wasn't a bad thing on them, but at the same time, the worst thing can happen is that you're giving a customer a great score and then they churn, right? So that's that's where you actually have a problem with the, you know, with the CSM where you got to say, well, you've had, you know, you, you're saying this customer is a five and every meeting's going great, but then they just didn't renew. So how, you know, how is that? So that's, that's where I think the CSMs, you know, open and honest conversations. So, you know, you don't want them to feel like they're backed into a corner. So it's more of a tool to, so we can help them. Like if they're, if they're struggling to get through to a customer, or the customer's not, you know, fully engaged. So I guess the way you present it is just more like this is a tool to help you, help you and help, make sure your customers are are happy and successful. I also feel like CSMs are to some extent less system gamers than account executives are. (laughs) And, and they're, they never really hold back on raising yellow flags, red flags around customers because they know that, you know, they can use and need support and leverage support in order to turn a customer around. Last and final question around, around customer health. If you had to pick one thing that, had a significant impact on improving customer health, like one play you would run if you came into a new organization, obviously you need context in the organization, but, but what's a play that you feel has, has a big positive impact on customer health? I would probably, I mean, getting, gathering the data on the customer is the biggest thing. So a lot of organizations I come into a lot of times they're scaling, right? So I mostly work with scale up companies and, and the amount of data they have on the customers isn't, isn't relevant or isn't great. And so it's really around data. Like we need to back to my and saying, if you're not measuring, you're not managing it. So being able to, I always want to talk to customers and understand their pain points, but you know, you'd have to talk to hundreds of customers to really, you know, make sure you've got a a good trend line. And so data is king. So being able to understand when do customers fall off? Where, where are they seeing pain points? You know, how many support tickets are they opening? You know, their usage, things like that is data is king. Yeah. Assembling the data is absolutely not trivial. I did a project years back where it was a big company, actually over, over a billion in revenue, almost 2 billion. We didn't have good customer data and we put that together and and then did a, a lot of sophisticated data science to figure out plays to run. And we found initially that driving usage in the last 90 days of the contract was unsurprisingly critical. And then we went deeper into the analysis and found that driving usage in the first 90 days was critical. These things are not rocket science. I don't think you need data scientists to figure out those kinds of things. But you know, to know where to start and where to focus, I think, is incredibly helpful. Launching customers into success is definitely critical. Like Another one of my favorite sayings is you only get one chance to make a first impression. And so, you know, the onboarding of getting a customer up and running and getting them that those quick wins and really seeing the value in the product, even if it's a, a small quick win, is, is so instrumental to making sure the customer renews. Well, Bobby, thanks so much for being on the, on the call today. We didn't mention it, but you're over in Amsterdam where it is currently 5 p.m. On a, on a Friday. So wishing you an incredible weekend and thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Smooth Scaling Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, or tell a friend. For more information about the topics we discussed today, check out the Insight Partners blog at insightpartners.com slash blog. See you next time.